Episode 21 of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors. I am a gold pro. Michael Majors is a platinum pro. We just played on a pro tour, so this should be great. Yeah, the, the results of this pro tour are heavily indicative that I won't be platinum for long. Oh no, Michael. <laughs> How many pro points do you have? I don't know, actually. I think it's 14 or something. Okay, I think I have 13. Dude, nice. I got you. Maybe, maybe what this means is that we'll both be platinum. No, I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> well, if there were like eight pro tours this year, I like our chances, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just shooting for like comfortably gold. I've I've gotten to the point where like I, I don't want to hit that like 42 range or whatever, like where you're in the abyss between gold and platinum. I just want to barely hit gold. We've both done that, majors. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, let's uh let's let's keep trying until we get to you know about 30 or so, right? And then if we need to turn it up. Then we can do that. Yeah, I'm down with the no near misses kind of thing, you know? So, I worked with... So, the team thing makes everything weird, right? Because I had CFB Fire and Mutiny. Those were our two six-person teams working together. I guess I want to say Team Canada, which was just the one-man team of Rich Owen for our, our 13 people. And you had who on your squad? So, I had Team Genesis and then... I guess technically Corey Baumeister was on Team MTG Bent Card, but otherwise we were a bunch of uh, dudes who were just playing with us. Okay, but they're oh, no, no, no. not... BB, BBD is technically on a team. Some team, I don't know. He's on uh, top level. Yeah, so he was team top level and was, for all intents and purposes, on our team. Okay, so did Corey work with you guys or no? He did, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was weird that he, him and Brad were playing the same deck, but he was on a different team, but I suppose that makes sense. I mean, didn't you see him all weekend? He was still wearing the Genesis shirt, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, I did not see that. Well, I didn't notice it. I mean, I saw him a bunch, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I actually didn't realize that. I thought Team Fireball, Fire, and Ice worked together. Nah, man. Dude, it's, it's, it's way too complicated. I don't even know what's going on. It's basically just like CFB wanted to sponsor two teams, I think. Or, you know, they ended up sponsoring two teams and were reasonably happy with how that worked out or whatever. But I guess... Puzzle Quest and D3 Go. It, like, D3 Go is the company that makes Puzzle Quest, I think. Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay, so it's like, yeah, they, they got a hold of the Pantheon, and then CFB was like, well, we want to be in this too, so, yeah. Do you think, like, as an aside, do you think that's weird? Like, that this company that has a licensing agreement with Wizards is sponsoring a Magic team? No, because it's not like they're getting some sort of, like, added benefit from working with Wizards, right? I don't know. It, I, I don't really understand how that works. Well, I, I just, like, you look at it at face value, right? It's like Mass Drop or whatever does not have any affiliation with Wizards. They can sponsor a team. Like, I don't think it's really a big deal that this company that is loosely affiliated with Wizards is sponsoring a team, you know? It's not like they get any added bonus from it or whatever and i assume that pantheon is getting paid to like wear their logo and do all these sponsored tweets and stuff so <laughs> yeah you're you're a big fan of the sponsored tweets right i'm really not <laughs> i'm really not see i know that i'm the outlier like i am the weird one but when my twitter feed is all like hashtag sponsored and just a bunch of garbage that like the people would not tweet normally like i just unfollow them right so it makes me really scared to post that stuff myself i don't think that makes you the outlier at all i think that makes you perfectly normal no because i think that a lot of people just like click follow on the people they like and they don't really care what the person says unless it like greatly offends them so you don't think that people actually have an added benefit from following their favorite people on twitter well i don't know about that Okay. Maybe maybe this is a, a bad place to steer this conversation, but... Maybe. So, what what I want my Twitter to be is just, like, maybe updates how I'm doing occasionally, funny stories or whatever, funny comments, and then just, like, some content. Just, like, some deck lists, and here's what I think about stuff, and, you know, this is what I would play this weekend, stuff like that, you know? Like, I think that gives people a good reason to follow me. And I'm certainly not doing as much of that as I would like, but uh, in my defense, I'm lazy. Yeah, you should probably teach me how to use Twitter effectively, because I just don't use it in a productive manner whatsoever. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I could try, but all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, well, clearly I can't get into the specifics of what I'm trying to accomplish in life on this podcast because it would just get too dark. It would it would get dark and it would take a while. It, it, yeah, it really would. I, I enjoy these conversations with you, but we never seem to hit that breakthrough I'm looking for, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Maybe we just haven't, like, actually devoted enough time to it. Who knows? But yeah, maybe we're just too lazy. So, like, every day you send me, like, five deck lists. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. That's definitely an exaggeration. But, like, when you're in the mood, you're in the mood, and, like, I'll get ten deck lists per week or something, and they're all great. They all look awesome. Like, if you're not writing an article on them, you should just be tweeting them. Yeah, that's a good point. I should probably be tweeting the deck lists I sent you, like, an hour ago, because they're definitely cool. Hell yeah. All right, so do that. Do that after this show. That can be your your cool down, I guess, and then maybe take a nap or something. I don't know. Now, you, you have to be careful because you can't, like, just Kenji Wayfinder out 20 deck lists and then just be silent for two months. I think that's pretty bad. Mm, so, like, okay. if you can spread them out, like, on different days or whatever, that'd be great. I think you can set up Twitter to have, like, you know, set time. Like, you can tweet all these things and then, like, set them up to tweet at random times, right? Oh, it'll just, like, automatically stagger it for you? Yeah, I think so. Like, Cedric does that with all of his songs and stuff. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, I, I thought he just had no life. I wasn't sure. Um, maybe we'll call me, maybe we'll call me, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Cedric doesn't listen to us, so it's fine, but I, exactly. I, I, I still oh, love you, Cedric. That's great. It is great knowing that, because we could just say whatever we want. Dude, maybe we should just say whatever we want. All right, we're going to table that for a couple weeks, I think. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to think about that one, because that's dangerous. But yeah, start tweeting stuff, and then people will be like, man, Major is super active on Twitter. And then they'll listen to this, maybe, and then be like, oh, that's why. Yeah. That are like, oh, Jerry just like tricked him into doing something productive for an hour. Yeah, got him. All right, pro tour. Yeah, so you worked with Team Mutiny. How would you describe that experience? Slash Team Channel Fireball slash Rich Owen. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm not sure if maybe my attitude is a little bit better. Maybe my tolerance of just being around a lot of people for a long period of time is better. I don't know. Like, granted, I was only there from Monday until the Pro Tour. It wasn't like when we were working together and we were gone for like two weeks all together or whatever. But I had a really good time, man. I've known a lot of the people for a very long time. And I've worked with like both squads basically at like various points in my career and stuff. So... Uh, it was pretty easy to just get along with all the people and know where they're coming from. And I hope that they got to do kind of the same with me. Like, I hope it was comfortable and everything. And I don't think that we did the greatest job, but I did really enjoy my time. And I think that that's what counts. Like, you can fix the problems, right? But you can't necessarily fix the personalities. Yeah, I generally agree with that statement. You can encourage people to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And I certainly try to do that. That's good. Uh, I mean, would you say that you're lack of a good deck or lack of success or whatever you want to say or attribute the the results to is flaw in the testing process or just you kind of missed well my deck was great and martin's deck was pretty good and we were the two like holdouts basically we were the two like i think we had five three three one one as far as like people playing decks on our team okay i think that's generally a problem oh it's kind of a problem because we were like all over the place like it was also kind of weird because the five was Mardu Vehicles, and I didn't start working on that deck until Wednesday. And that was just like a bunch of weirdo leaps of logic where it was like, black-green is not particularly playable. Black-green energy is the best version of black-green. Black-green energy is worse than the Jun Vehicles deck we had. And if that's the case, if people aren't playing black-green, then Mardu's awesome. Wednesday morning, I woke up, started working on Mardu. People made fun of me, called me Mardu guy. Corey Burkhart was there, you know, so he oh, was... That's, that's a throwback right there. Yeah, it is. So he was around for all the Mardu guy stuff, and he's just like, you know, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. 24 hours later, he was like, all right, let me get the sideboard guide for Mardu. <laughs> well, uh... I, and I was like, well, I'll, I'm gonna do that, but I'll be over here playing my four-color deck, and you have fun with that. That surprises me, because I, I recall, like, the last podcast we did, I don't remember, I guess it was a week before we left for the PT, you said you were all about Mardu. Mardu was always a thing that I had in the back of my mind, and then, like, Richmond happened, and it was like, okay, this is this is like a two-deck format, basically. Once we started testing, and it was like, no one was interested in black-green, just, like, remotely at all, because it was so bad against Sahili. 
And then it was like, all right, like, what are all these decks that beat Sahili? And it's like, well, Mardu does. So let's just do that instead of trying to build some, like, weirdo new deck. You know, like, we, we tried. We, we brewed a bunch of stuff. But uh, ultimately, the Sahili combo sits on top of a lot of the cool things that you can do in this format. If that ends up disappearing, then I think the format opens up and you can do a bunch of cool stuff. Like, there was a paradoxical outcome interview on the Pro Tour coverage and the guy said that it was really good against Black Green and Mardu, but just, like, really, really bad against Sahili. So, I don't know. Maybe stuff like that happens. Yeah, I, I, I think that was basically our experiences as well. All my brews were, were cute, but just not good enough when all the power in the format is kind of concentrated in Gear Hulks and Sahili. I don't know. I, I thought Mardu was a good choice. I had this four-color deck that I liked, uh, so I just played that instead. I went 7-3 and Constructed, which is my best Constructed record in forever. Uh, so, I don't know. Overall, I was pretty happy with it. Obviously, the team stuff could be flushed out a little bit better because we had, like, people arriving at different times, and, like, when there were people in Dublin, it was difficult to get people to post to update what was happening to the people who were not there and so on and so forth, so... Yeah, it was it was funny talking to Sam Black at GP Prague, and he was the only person on your team that was in Prague. So, I, I don't really know how you guys figured out the logistics, but it sounded uh, kind of awkward. Well, I live in Seattle, man. Like, San Jose was so close. Uh, I got the Sunday flight from San Jose to Dublin, which put me in Dublin, like, Monday afternoon. So, like, I still got in pretty early as far as, like, if you're going to play a GP the week before, getting in, like, Monday is pretty impressive, you know? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I I, I get it. Obviously, uh, the geography there is convenient to play San Jose, but it was just strange talking to him about the team dynamics. I don't know. We're, we're kind of weird, but I, I guess we have this in common where, like, we did not do any live drafts. Yeah, uh, that was something I really owned in on after Hawaii when we were kind of doing the typical uh, post-Pro Tour, I guess, process breakdown, if you want to call it that. And, and something that I identified as just, like, a, a huge waste of time is that live drafts were, were very difficult to organize. Uh, it's annoying to get product. It's hard to split up the teams to test constructive effectively while simultaneously eight of you are doing a draft. And obviously people want to like bird the draft and talk about the draft. And it, it, it's a huge time sink. And I think that that's the best thing we did was not draft at all. Yeah, I think what my team did really well was just play a lot of limited beforehand and then post-draft decks, discuss it. And then it came time for our limited meeting and it was just like basically everyone was on point. Yeah, I actually felt really good about limited. Uh, I went, I went three and three, which is obviously not a good record, but I don't know. I like, I really hate to do this, but some some bad luck at this PT. There, there's a certain point where you have to like take accountability for yourself and be like, where did I go wrong? But if you take it too extreme, then I think you kind of just like make yourself go crazy. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know. I I, I owe three to draft, which makes me feel pretty bad. My second deck was certainly way worse than my first deck, but it was not an 0-3 deck, and I had a bunch of, like, really good sideboard cards, and my main deck had, like, a certain weakness, and the three people I played against were not weak to my sideboard cards and all exploited my weakness. So it was like, well, maybe with different pairings, you know, if I'm playing against, like, red decks or white decks, then I think my deck is probably okay, but since I was playing against, like, green fat decks, my deck was not very good. And I think that those decks are not particularly good, but since I lost my first round and then my second round, it's, like, more and more likely that I play against those decks. Yeah, so it's a weird circumstance. I mean, I, I looked at your deck, and it was it strikes me as, like, a 1-2-2-1 two, two, deck. 1-2 if you get unlucky, and you just got really unlucky or whatever, so. Yeah, beats. You know, PT, what are you going to do? PT drafts are hard. I suck at them. Whatever. See, I'm normally really good at them, or at least, like, above average. And for me to pair my one of my best constructed finishes with, like, definitely one of my worst limited finishes, it's just like, what the hell, you know? Dude, that's literally been the story of my life on the PT. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eight twos and three threes for days. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that was something I really liked. And, um, you know, people would, if, if they didn't feel like playing constructed, they would fire up a moto draft and I would burst some of those. And I think that's a good way to kind of, like, foster discussion anyways about picks and you don't waste a bunch of time and everybody's kind of engaged in uh, short doses so i i would and like to continue doing that moving forward i think that's a better way to prepare for the pro tour yeah it's so much better if you just have one person drafting and a million people participating or at least like people participating who are interested right yeah and not the entire house shuts down so you can do one draft 
when when people get done with testing and it's like 10 p.m. or whatever, like people should just be drafting. And I think like that's what most people do anyway. So like why why did we waste so much time doing like 15 house drafts? We didn't have constructed decks ever. <laughs> right, right. I, I completely agree. There's multiple situations where we just nobody liked their constructed deck, but we still got to organize this draft at 10 in the morning or whatever. Yeah, just makes no sense. So how how do you feel that benefited you like not doing these live drafts like you guys had weirdo black green deck and kind of a weirdo jeskai deck what else did you have is that all your team played yeah so the team only played two decks Uh, i went pretty deep into testing with a four color combo deck where you had deep fiends in your deck i had green gear hulk and walking ballista to kind of try to beat up on various decks i don't really know it was sweet but maybe your deck is just better i think my deck is great legitimately great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I think my deck was like pretty good. No, that was that was pretty much it. We were kind of no nonsense. It's just I don't really know why people got on black green. I guess Brad just picked you know his toy for the weekend was going to be black green, so he worked on that pretty aggressively. It's kind of how yeah. he just rolls. And then you know when people didn't like that and gravitated towards just guy, just fine. You know we had no real like strokes of genius or anything. We just kind of worked on normal stock decks. What about Mardu? Did you guys were did you guys like just eliminate that early and never come back to it or what? So I think that we just had this weird situation where we undervalued Mardu because both of our decks were beating it. And we never really played like a bunch of just like stock Mardu versus stock Jeskai Sahili and then kind of made that natural progression. It was just like, well, our black green deck is beating Mardu and our Jeskai deck is like doing fine against it and or beating it. So what's the point? Yeah, that's legit. I don't know. If you're just like, all right, well, we're beating Mardu and we're beating black green and we're beating Sahili then it's just like, what do you think the field is going to look like? Uh, I mean, we definitely had, or excuse me, we suspected there would be more black green than there was. I had the I had the opposite reaction where I was just like, if if the field is like less than 10% black green, I wouldn't have been surprised. I know that it's an easy deck for like, you know, PTQ winners to pick up or like people that are unaffiliated with teams and stuff because it was crushing the opens and it seems like kind of like a solid choice or whatever, but like it, it really didn't beat anything. Yeah, I think that was actually a flaw in our testing is that we kind of... So so we quickly came to that conclusion that stock black green was pretty bad. So we just, like, turned all of our stock black green decks into, like, Brad's, you know, evolved black green. And that was putting up fine numbers. But that's not really, like, a good way to gauge the other decks' matchups against black green. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, if, if you want to test things from the black green side, then that's definitely how you should do it. But, like, you still need to keep a stock deck around to play against. I don't know. Everybody just got, like, tilted off playing Minerack Demons and that card being atrocious. And uh, sim- similar situation with Mardu, I think, where the f- third or fourth time you get horribly mana screwed and can't cast any of your spells, you're just kind of off it. Fix the mana base. Yeah, I, I, I should have, but I was too busy working on my four-color deck. One of the teams cut most of their Aether hubs. Some teams, I think, did not play the blue. And then there were other people that are, like, playing Bomat Courier to make sure that the Spire of Industry is always on. I think the people that did well are the people that actually worked on the mana. No, I buy that. This is, it feels like such a weird PT to me. Like, I can't argue that Mardu isn't a good deck, but I don't feel like it is. I think just the fact that five of the best teams or whatever all played it, like, that's it. Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to agree. Like, I mean, clearly the deck is fine. It's, you know, one of the four playable decks in the format. It's just, I don't think it's nearly as good as the numbers would indicate. It definitely has some issues, you know? It has the, does my fourth land ETB untap so I can cast Gideon, and then do I play a land past land four? If the deck floods out, you basically can't win, but, like, you still have to play 23 land plus things like Cultivator's Caravan, maybe, so, like, you end up with a bunch of mana sources, and, yeah, it can be rough, but I do think that when it has a normal, like, pretty reasonable draw, I think the deck is just very good. I, I don't know if I agree with, like, normal draw, so to speak. I think what you're saying is, like, when the deck operates well and, like, plays three cards and then has a disintegration by, like, turn five, which is above average, I think. I, I think that that draw is very good, and I think that most people are going to lose to that draw in game one. And then it's like, well, how do I leverage my sideboard? I mean, I have four colors of mana. I could play the fifth if I really wanted to. So what what can we do here? And I think a lot of people did some pretty cool stuff. I haven't gone through all the lists and like looked at all the sideboards, but I never really like felt like I was behind post-board. I thought I was ahead, which probably shouldn't be the case, honestly. Well, you didn't have the combo, and you had more removal, presumably, which is just kind of accidental. 
I think a lot of the Jeskai Sahili decks like did not have shocks or radiant flames or whatever, and then they just got clowned. Yeah, my my understanding is that the Sahili decks just did very bad in general. Yeah, there were there were very few of them among the winning records for the deck list they posted. But like twenty two percent Mardu or whatever it was, I mean, if they were not keyed in on that deck being very good and very popular, like specifically good against them, and they're just like boarding up to twelve counter spells to beat the mirror or whatever, it's like, yeah, they're gonna lose. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like w- once I figured out how to sideboard against Mardu, like I was just bringing in like all my negates and like it was a spell or two. So I'm not even sure that that's necessarily the case. Like, I think you can fight Mardu on that axis, which is really strange. Yeah, but you still need early interaction, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess they probably only had, like, five or six spot removal spells instead of, like, seven or eight, so sure. So, Pat Cox and Cheon and someone else that I'm forgetting, I think, played Jeskai on our team, and... Their list had, like, one Fumigate because they thought Black Green was really bad. I think they had an additional Counterspell. I I don't even know what was in their list. I could probably find it on our forums or something. But, yeah, it just seemed like they skimped on a lot of stuff, even though half our team was playing Mardu. Yeah, uh, I will say the night before the PT, we we had, like, 14 sideboard slots. We added or released the Gremlins at the last minute, and that was for sure the best random decision we could have made card was so good dude random disenchants at pro tours are so great yeah i agree with that i think people really underrate just catch-alls in your sideboard yeah i was pretty happy just like playing two natural states in the dark just because you know it's like i don't know what i'm gonna play against maybe there is like paradoxical outcome or some sort of improvised deck or whatever and i natural stated two tezzeret's touches it felt so good oh that's real nice yeah Yeah. people really like don't think about the fact that if you don't know exactly what you're doing for the given field or the field is unknown, then just like putting some cards that could be nines in your sideboard is really effective. Yeah, or just hedging in general. Yeah, so there's, there's your constructed sideboard lesson for the day, I guess. And then if you see Josh Utter Layton buying in soul artifacts, like add the third. Oh, man, we are so stupid. Were you on the team for that PC? I don't remember. I was. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, man, I, I just got bad memories of that red green deck. Well, I had I had good memories. I think I only went like six and four with that deck. To be fair, I think I was playing like the worst magic of my life that Pro Tour as well, even though I five win limited. But that's neither here nor there. We could have infinite podcasts about old tournaments for sure. I, I try not to think about them. I think it's just stupid. But <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I'm reminiscing about stupid red green monsters right now. Oh man, look, I was I was live for top eight with two rounds to go, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have good memories of that deck or really bad ones. You mean? Why really bad ones? Because you, you didn't make the top eight of the tournament. No, I didn't, but I got I got to that point, which is like more than I can say for every other deck I've played except for one, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I've never really had that feeling at a PT. I'm always like clawing it out in the last couple rounds to get my good finish. I'm, I've never been in like on cloud nine and just blew it. One of these days, Majors. I mean, the limited comes before the last stretch of Constructed. I think that's why. Yeah, exactly. I always screw it up and then... Just do well down the, the last half. Like this one, where you 5-0'd. Yeah, I, I did, well, 401 technically, but but I did beat Chris. Yeah, I, you lied to me. Dude, I, I, did, I, I did 5-0. I didn't really lie to you. It was, a, it was a white lie. No, because if you draw and then play for fun, I don't think the play for fun match counts, because I don't think Chris cared. Whatever, man. That's the, like, oh, I'm gonna, like, will you concede to me? You say yes, and then you're like, hey, do you want to play for fun? And they're like, sure. And then they're like, oh, well, I beat you, so I'm not gonna pay you. Like, that that totally illegal <laughs> thing I've never, that I've never had that situation, do. but I have gotten the concession, and then we played for fun, and then I've just been browned, like, twice. I'm sorry I lied. Do you forgive me? I do, I do. I appreciate that. Don't, don't do it again. Because, like, I like knowing things, and I feel like when people lie to me, it's it kind of undermines that because then I know things that aren't true or I think that I know things, but they're not true. Right. And that kind of gets me. That's like the worst feeling is just like finding out that I'm wrong. Cause like, I don't trust people. Like I don't trust what they say necessarily unless like they've earned that trust. (laughs) Right. Because it's like, I I want only facts swirling through my body. That's it. (laughs) Holy shit. That's got weird. So you lied to me. I'm like, yeah, Majors 5-0'd. And then it's like, oh, I find out, dun-dun-dun, Majors did not 5-0'd. I'm just like, oh, man, everything I know is a lie. I, I just had no idea that I had such a crippling effect on your sense of reality. It can. It can. Okay. 
Well, I mean, is there anything else to talk about the PT? I mean, it, it happened. We did kind of really bad. Well, not bad, but average. We did do average. So let, let me let me take a step back because there was a time when I used to think that the people at the Pro Tour were all trying to break it. Like all the people on the good teams were just trying to break it and then they would just like register this weirdo deck kind of a shot in the dark where they, they hoped that they did it, you know, because like spiking one every 10 Pro Tours is better than just like top 50-ing everyone, right? Sure. And then it got to the point where it was like, man... Like, everyone just plays these decks from the opens. Maybe the format's not breakable, or maybe that they're realizing that they should just play, like, a solid deck, and they have a shot to top eight, because that's what Paulo does every time, and he's 25% to top eight or whatever. And this one was like, all right, Jeskai and Black Green were the biggest decks going into it, and then everyone just, like, played Mardu. Like, everyone came to the same conclusion. And I'm just wondering, like, are, are people's mindsets changing? Is it a Pro Tour specific case like what is going on with these people what are they all trying to do because like you know when band company is the biggest deck it was like all right there's definitely going to be 20 percent of it but it's not going to be like 30 like it is in the real world and then everyone is just going to play like languish Kalidus, like all these mopey control decks trying to beat it i don't know like this one was just like everyone came to the same mardu conclusion because it was good against jeskai it was supposedly still bad against black green but they played it anyway even though they didn't have a good plan like what's going on here so is your question, are people just fine playing their normalized decks and just tuning them? Or is your question, like, are people just going to naturally adapt to the Star City every time? I don't know. Like, basically, the Pro Tour is a mystery. It is a mystery, and I can't, I can't figure out, like, how people think. I think people have given up on, like, building new cool decks and trying to, like, break it. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think it's been a thing for a while. But the last Pro Tour, everyone played Marvel, and it was really bad. I don't know. Do you think that everyone had the mentality that, like, nobody else has Marvel, we broke it? I mean, I guess, except for, like, the people who were smart enough to play Ceremonious Rejection. I don't think I really got that impression that people thought that they were the only ones registering Marvel. I don't know. I feel like more people were worried about control than mirror matches, for sure. And then, like, Lishi Chan was, like, the one dude who was like, oh, man, no one on our team is playing Marvel, but I know that this is a deck, so I'm going to, like, splash these four rejections in my deck. Kibler obviously Kibler his team and just like splashed a bunch of rejections in his red green beatdown deck because <laughs> the rest of the team was on Marvel. Yeah, of course. You know, so like aside from from that specific instance, it's like I was I was like prepared for like I knew it was a deck. I knew that people were going to play it. I didn't think it was going to be like twenty five percent or something. So like yeah, last Pro Tour people were just like oh we're going to try and break it. We're going to play this deck that just shouldn't like we have contingency plan in our deck right we can just draw a handful of ulamogs you know like the deck is like clearly not functional some amount of the time and yet people played it anyway i i really don't know the, the answer to your question i i think I that I, I don't even really know what my question is it's just yeah, that like me neither i you're just kind of saying words that have magic cards in them and i'm trying to keep up well, try a little harder, Michael. <laughs> Dude, I really am. I just, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to get into the mindset, like, of what everyone else is doing. Because, so, like, this Pro Tour was one where I, I, I felt like I did a pretty good job, like, nailing everything. You know, like, I had good versions of most decks. I kind of figured out what people were going to do. I thought that Black Green was going to be lower. Uh, maybe I... I underestimated the amount of people that did not have a team or, like, some sort of affiliation, right? And it's just, like, an easy deck to play. I don't know. But then it was, like, Wednesday rolls around. I think about playing Mardu. One by one, my entire team, or, like, half my team gets on Mardu. And at no point did we stop to think that, like, hey, is this something that other people are going to do? Like, we just didn't know. We, we just didn't think about it. Because it was, like... I don't know, someone had Walking Ballista in their, like, in their Mardu deck or in their sideboard or whatever, and it was like, man, that's that's heads up. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of think it was... I, I hate to say it's like a freak occurrence or whatever, but I kind of think it was. The, the main issue, I think, is that it was pretty obvious after... Maybe even before the SQ, but certainly after both of them, is that there really are, are only, like, three or four viable different strategies you can do in this format. So if you think that the non-affiliated teams and maybe some of the teams are going to own in on Jeskai because it's it plays this very powerful combo. It has a somewhat normalized game that's reasonable and it just won the last open and seemingly just like shits on black green. But people are going to pick it up. So you just play the, you know, one of the four playable decks that has the best matchup against that deck. 
Well, this Pro Tour was weird in that I think there's a lot of cool stuff you can do in this set, but Sahili just sits on top of all of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with that. Like, I'm, I'm having that experience today. Yeah, once we figured that out, it was like, you know, Sam Black just gave up on Monday. He was just done brewing. He was like, I can't do it. Like, this deck is too stupid. And then it was like, oh, like, this is clearly alarming, but at no point did we take a step back and we're like, all right, well, if Sam is giving up, then what are the odds that everyone else is going to do this? And, like, what does this mean? How are people going to react going forward? Because, like, basically what I want to figure out is, like, what logical progressions did people make to get it to where the Pro Tour, like, six of the decks were Mardu? Or six of the top eight decks were Mardu, right? Because I need to figure that out. I don't I don't need to figure out, like, oh, like, you know, this weekend, like, Mardu's going to get crushed by Black Green. Because, like, I don't care about this weekend. I care about, like, figuring out how to understand and make, like, reasonable guesses and just being able to predict how things are going to go for the next Pro Tour. That's what I'm trying to learn. Do you think that maybe things have just progressed to the point because we have public information with the Star City that you should just be on level 2 every time? I don't know. Like, back in the day, it was like the Japanese were always, like, accidentally on level 3. Or maybe maybe accidentally is not correct, but it was always like they had the best day 2 decks. Sure, they were able to beat the people that were trying to beat the most popular deck. Yeah, so it was like, if they could make it to day two, they would have good runs. And that was just all they did. And now it's just like, okay, well, I guess we all just play Mardu, and we all pretend like it's this big secret or whatever, and then, okay, like the top eight is just all us. What if someone's Jeskai deck was like actually good against Mardu? What if people actually respected it, right? Like, I think our Jeskai deck was good against Mardu. Well, Jeskai Sahili. Oh, sure. Well, I don't even know if that's possible. I think it is. I think I think 1-4 blocking Scrappy is, like, real good. Yeah, that's legit. Dynavolt Tower kind of sucked, so I buy that. Tower was not... It, like, it seemed so good in theory, but it did not impress me. Oh, that's awful. I board it out every time. Not every copy, but most of them. Yeah. That's neither here nor there, though. I think maybe people just, like... I, I really hate this, this idea and this tangent or whatever, but I just think people care more about tuning good decks based on the information they have with the time that they have rather than trying to really try level people and that's legit but really i don't think that that was possible for this pro tour to level people well to to actually be creative like you could in small doses for sure like you look at the decks that they posted from the pro tour like the winning deck list and it's like every deck is like creative to some degree like there's also just like the the black red aggro deck or red black whatever where it's like that deck's kind of a wild card. Like, I don't know how that deck does against Black Green or Mardu, but I imagine it's similar where people just played it because they thought it was good against Jeskai. Yeah, I buy that. But even, like, the the power argument can be applied to, like, Unlicensed Disintegration. Like, that card is clearly just screwed up. So I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think the actual case is things are too clear now because of Mythic Rares and obviously push cards, or what? I think if Sahili did not exist, I think you would have seen a lot of, like, engines and paradoxal outcomes and, and random stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this Pro Tour would have been a lot more interesting, but as is, like, the thing that is controlling what you can and can't do in the format is this turn four combo kill, then that's kind of oppressive, you know? Like, there's only so much you can do to operate within that. Do you think we are stuck by mistake now? Because... You know, you can point to the data and be like, Jeskai Sahili got slaughtered uh, by Marty Vehicles, and obviously Marty Vehicles is the quote-unquote best deck, but in reality, like, the format's just being, like, pigeonholed into this very rigid place because of the presence of Jeskai Sahili. I, I wrote kind of like a throwaway paragraph in my article this week where it was just like, would I ban this? Yes, I would, because I do think there's a lot of cool stuff you can do in, like, specifically in this set, and... For diversity, I would definitely want Sahili to be gone. But yeah, you look at the data and it's like, oh, this is an oppressive blah, blah, blah. But it's also like the number one deck that people were gunning for. I mean, it, it's certainly possible that things will balance themselves out, right? Or do you think that it'll just inevitably be this like rock, paper, scissors metagame where this week at Pittsburgh, GP or uh, Green Black shows up to beat up Mardu, and then the week after that, Jeskai shows up to beat Green Black, and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Okay. I mean, I, I I think my four color deck beats everything. Okay, I'm not sure, <laughs> but it does it does contain the Jeff guy or the Sigilly combo, so I guess yeah. that's a problem too. I would like it to be more than three decks. 
Dude, you should totally try Dynavolt Tower in your four color deck. By the way, nah, I, yeah. I have Mar. Dude, I have Marvel in that slot. Like, oh, it's sweet though. You were just saying how bad it was. Yeah, I don't know. I can't decide on anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I've been kind of manic the last few days and playing Magic, which is really stupid. Ooh, welcome to my world. Minus yeah. the playing Magic. Yeah, it's dumb. I even just like bought a new video game, but I've been playing Moto instead. That's really dumb. What'd you buy? I bought the the Tomb Raider sequel. Oh, okay. Pro- probably not your cup of tea, to be honest, but the first one's great. It's not. I would probably watch someone play it instead of play it myself. I don't know. I, I don't have the patience for the RPGs you play these days. Yeah, I'm playing the new Tales game. It's great. Okay. I, I, I do mean to pick up Final Fantasy fifteen at some point, but I haven't. Oh, see, that one I just watched my friend play, like, almost the entirety, so, like, my copy is basically just unopened. Oh, okay. That, I mean, that's weird. Well, I've, I've, I saw him do everything. Like, why do I need to do it? Yeah, I guess I get that, but I don't know why you purchased it. Well, because I didn't know that that was going to happen at the time. All right. It wasn't like I planned to sit there and watch him play video games for 60 hours or whatever. It just, it just kind of happened. Yeah, surely that's the most organic thing in the world is to watch your friend <laughs> play Final Fantasy XV for 60 hours. Well, it's, it's complicated, Michael, as most things are. As, as most things are. Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down on standard right now. I just like didn't get to be creative. Kind of going back to what you were saying, the, the most fun thing about the PT to me is being creative. So, would you ban the combo? I mean, I would, but I don't actually know if that would produce like a very good format. It really sucks because like when Emberpool existed and Copter existed, we're like, man, the Gear Hulks, like, which are these really cool push mythic rares, like, should be playable, but they're not. And now they're the best thing by a mile. Yeah, because they they were like this mid range crappy thing that just got crushed by Emrakul, right? Like, yeah. Emrakul very easily went over the top of all the mid range stuff. Now there's no check, so just the gear hooks are the biggest thing at the top end. There's nothing that really goes bigger than that, unless you like want to marvel and put Ulamog in your deck, or if you want to try and combo people. So you ban the combo, and what I think happens is the Jeskai decks just become normal control decks. And then it's still kind of this three-deck format, except you have, like, various brews popping up from time to time, like, at Grand Prix, where it's like, oh, here's this person playing the 2U, or 3UU, like, make XX's enchantment thing, or, you know, whatever. Like, there's a lot of weird decks that can just show up in, like, top eight a tournament now. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the format improves overall, but I don't know if it makes a good format. Uh, I don't think it makes it good, period maybe, but it makes it better than it is now. And who is going to object to you banning Felidar Guardian? Nobody. So do you think that it's going to happen at the, what is it, like three weeks or something? I don't know. I mean, based on the data, it shouldn't happen. But I don't think that data is the end-all be-all. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've shown that they're willing to go outside the box. I mean, the Emrakul ban supposedly should not have happened according to the data. So, yeah, going forward, I want to figure out the Pro Tour stuff, and I want to take a more analytical approach to it, because I feel like right now I'm just doing a bunch of stuff and not really considering what other people are going to do. So, like, right now, I'm playing some on Magic Online and just not playing against any Mardu whatsoever. I played against five black-green decks in one of my leagues. Yep, I played against Mardu twice, I think, in three or four leagues. And I don't know if that's because, like, Heart of Kirin is 30 tickets. I think that that's, like, a really stupid answer because, like, the green-black deck is also pretty expensive and, you know, maybe it's, like, cards that people already had or whatever, but I, I don't know. Like, Mardu just crushed the PT. Why are people not playing it? And are people going to play it this weekend? Yeah, I don't think that's the case because, I mean, by that argument, I'm pretty sure Walking Ballista, which is rare, is, like, 13 tickets or something stupid like that, so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I don't know. I actually give people more credit. I don't think it's just going to be it. Obviously, everyone shows up with Mardu vehicles. I think just showing up with like a good control deck and running well is probably the best way to top eight the tournament. Well, I hope Kevin Jones wins the GP. Dude, me too. I always want the father to win tournaments. Do we have time to talk about Modern? Because I actually think Aether Revolt did a lot for Modern and nobody's really talked about it. Uh, yeah, we can. We have some time, but we could also do that next week because I'm going to Vancouver. Yeah, I know. That's what I was getting at. But but we don't know. Will, will we have a show next week? Why wouldn't we? Because I don't trust us. I don't trust us either, but I have, like, blind, ignorant faith in us. That's legit. I mean, so stupid, like, but legit. I'm, I'm just going to keep believing until it doesn't happen. Okay. Did you like it all, the Grixis deck I sent you? Oh, uh, which one? Maybe the... you should have posted it on Twitter so I could find it easier. Oh, yeah, nice. Dude, good tie-in. Good tie-in. I like that. Yeah. 
Now the uh the, the improvised one. Do you Standard remember? Standard or modern? You don't even remember modern. I that was like six decks ago. Yeah, you're right. Well, right now I I want to play the Grixis deck from my article, but there are enough things like I, I think I'm good against Pure Steel Paladin, which is certainly one of the decks that got a lot of or a big improvement from the new set. And then there's there's things like Renegade Rallier, where it's like, how the hell do I beat that card? Dude, that card is is really good. Okay, <laughs> like, okay, like yeah, really I, I see this Grixis deck and I remember. Yeah, what do you think? Oh dear. Um, <laughs> God, having to play Darksteel Citadel is such a tilt. I mean, maybe you don't have to. Is there anything good that makes two artifacts? I don't know. I obviously didn't do a like significant enough gatherer search, but sure. Mishra's Bobble just being a mox is so nice. Yeah, Bobble Bobble's the best part about this deck for sure. I do think you are a light for things for Mox Opal. Yeah, that also, might be the case. Also, can we just get like the Thopter combo in here? Is that doable? Ah, oh, dude, I didn't think about that. Maybe. So Michael's deck is Maverick Thopterus, Herald of Anguish, couple Snapcasters, Mox Opal, Metallic Rebuke, Fatal Push, two Lightning Bolt, <laughs> two Colagons Command, which I also think is pretty light on that card, but you know whatever. Three Thirst for Knowledge. Uh, four Bobble, four Nile Spellbomb, two Aether Spellbomb, three Renegade Map. There's nothing better than Renegade Map. Uh, Renegade Map has got to be horrible. Seems so bad. In my five basic deck. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to work on that part. I guess it turns on Revolt as Dude, it does. all of your other cards. <laughs> Dude, it does. So A, Mishra's Bobble just being a mox. And you can just like free roll these Spellbombs for value. It's just super nice. Yeah, so the the expertise is with breaking entering. Yeah, I heard about that. Tom told me it's uh, that 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 just like makes me angry actually. Like a week or two ago, I bought twenty breaking enterings on Moto. Did you actually know about the interaction? Yeah. Okay. Who who figured that out? Because that that's like pretty niche. The internet. The internet is very intelligent when it yep. wants to be. The hive mind is really strange. I hope that combo isn't oppressive because it seems really good. Well, do you see Dan Ward's deck from Regionals? Uh, no. That's the one Tom was telling me about. Okay. Yeah, so it's like Gorios with Red Expertise and Breaking Entering. Do you have to have a target for the Red Expertise? Yeah. He had he had two Forbidden Orchards in his mana base. Nice. I like it. Oh, wait. There's no... there's no oppor- Is there an opportunity to Nile Spellbomb then? Uh, no. <laughs> you just... <laughs> you can't do anything. That's so stupid. Isn't that gross? So you just uh, need Leyline or whatever? It's so dumb. Yeah, like, you need Leyline, then you just like, alright, whatever, through the breach you. Who cares? Yeah, you have to, like, cage them or Leyline them. I don't know. I, I, I think there are a lot of cool things. Like, obviously, Fatal Push is good. Improvised cards. Renegade Rally is a big one. I played a uh, a Safi Renegade Rally Return of the Ranks deck, which is a lot of fun. Okay, I was looking at that with uh, Matt McCullough. He was talking about playing, like, kind of old-school Malira, basically just because he wanted Viscera Seer to go with Voice of Resurgence to go with Rallier. And then I was thinking about better sack outlets, and I asked Matt Costa about, like, what is the best banned sack outlet? You know what he told me? Safi? No, no, like, sack outlet for Voice of Resurgence. Oh, no idea. Evo Leap. Oh, man. God. Man, Matt Costa. Ben, ben and smart gentleman. Dude, I know, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> obviously I'm in. And you can just rebuy the leap. It's so beautiful. Yeah. What are you going to do? Kill it? No, so Matt and I were talking about like having a bunch of selfless spirits and spell skites and ralliers and voices. Just like none of your stuff dies. Yeah, I love it. That sounds awesome. And I'm just like, well, if I'm playing Grixis, I can never beat this deck in a million years. So Yeah, with Abzan Ascendancy, you can just go infinite with Safi and Renegade Rallier. Uh, oh, Ascendancy is nice. Yep. I had Blood Artists, but I don't actually think you need that card. It does kill them right away. You could just, like, play one, because you can, like, infinite scry into it or whatever. Right. Matt and I were trying to figure out the best win condition, too. I think it's just, like, something we haven't thought of. Yeah. I think those decks are going to be really sweet. Hopefully, like, that breaking entering interaction isn't super oppressive, even though it sounds like it is. Well, I hope it is. Hope my my 20 copies goes up. You can also just put Emrakul into play. How screwed up is that? Yeah. The, the list that I had did not have, like, the Gorios thing spliced onto it. It was just, like, pure all-in the combo. So it was, like, eight Expertises, Spirit Guide, Breaking Entering. I had Beck Call as the other thing to do. Yeah, I think that's something that I sh- or, you know, people should look at in general. Yeah, I want to... 
I want to try the Beck Call deck with, like, the Foundry combo. Although, like, with all the decks that we're talking about now, it just seems like Thopter Foundry is getting outclassed. <laughs> just by everything. I don't think I don't think it's ever been good, man. Not not since, you know, 2006 or whatever. I top aided an Invitational with that. You you take that back. Uh, Elishorn top aided that Invitational. Mmm, <laughs> you might be right. Elish Elishorn in your standard deck. That that's who did the heavy lifting. Look, I beat Burn Zoo Zoo on day one, and I think I think Thopter Foundry and Timely Reinforcements had something to do with that. And probably just Timely Reinforcements. I also beat uh, an Abzan deck. All, all of the matches that I watched uh, late in day two, it was just like. You staring at Elishorn in your hand, like, looking longingly and just, like, praying you peel 7th land. Yep. Dude, that's that's why we cut all the C-Chrome coasts, so we could play Elishnorn on turn 6. I dig it. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you're playing Vancouver. I'm going to be playing the team tournament in Baltimore, which I'm looking forward to quite a bit. Hopefully I can trick Tom into playing a sweet one, because I think he's playing modern. He seems like the type who could pierce still some people, you know? That's true. I, I can definitely put that in his range. I don't know if that deck is good, though. It seems kind of busted. Seems like it loses to Spell Snare, but who knows. Well, you have to deal with every single thing they play, so I think Grixis can do that, because you have Bolt, Push, and Inquisition. But I think decks like Jund, if they have to keep up with, like, two mana or whatever, it's just, it's game over. There's no way they can do that. Dude, maybe Spell Snare is just super nice now, because it hits Breaking and Entering as well, right? I think, yeah, it should. I don't see why it wouldn't, considering the other interaction. Dude, just Spell Snare. Let's just do that. Yeah, but then I can't play Inquisition. I hate playing Spell Snare and Inquisition. No, it's okay. You don't have to register Inquisition. We'll just register Herald of Anguish. Oh, I see. Yeah, because they both discard a card. <laughs> that and Maverick Thopterist are both very bad Thopter Foundries, I think. Nah, man. Maverick Thopterist is two mana PNLR. Do you remember when we played that? Or PN Kieran, excuse me. Yeah, I do. I cut the PS from my deck. It was okay. No, Pio is great. It's just the the format is not all infect and affinity. So in yeah. blue mirrors, I don't know what the format's going to be like now. Herald of Anguish maybe can just like munch on Renegade Rally decks. Can it? Maybe. I feel like they just attack you with like five giant Evan Irwin tokens. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's got to push them all. <laughs> it's not going to work, man. Dude, that, that's where the Aether spell bomb comes in. It's bouncing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, I guess you have a Nihil Spellbomb, too. How does that help? Well, it helps with the Rallier. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See, dude, this Grixis Improvised deck has got it all covered. Let's let's lock it up, I guess. Maybe we can incorporate Breaking and Entering into old-school Gorio's Vengeance Kiki Cheeky Splinter Twin. Oh, wow. Yeah? You, you in? No, the problem is, when I was building the, the B&E deck, like the the normal 8 expertise one, it was like, man, I need like 10 Eldrazi's in my deck. You need like 10 things to hit, because if you whiff, you're just done. Is Crystal Brand not good? I mean, it's fine, but like, what does it do? You can't go off immediately. I guess you just like want to play like normal Kozilek, like old school Annihilator. Yeah, I, I had three Kozilek, three Ulamog or whatever, maybe four Kozilek because it's bigger. Does Breaking and Entering have a Sacrifice Clause or anything like that? No, you keep it. Yeah, uh, that's pretty screwed up. Yeah, so you just hard lock them. With any Eldrazi. Okay. I was I was going to say, like, Sundering Titan or something, but Eldrazi probably is better. So can you imagine you're, like, end of turn, Deceiver Exarch, untap, carry Zev, your voice of resurgence or whatever, and you, you B&E, and it's just Brick City. <laughs> Good old Kiki Jiki. Kiki. <laughs> no, you're just like, I'll put my Snapcaster into play. <laughs> tack, tack you for five, your turn, I have no cards. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So you're kind of going to inherently end up with this crappy deck where you're, like, Faithless saluting away Eldrazi. And then guess, losing the flashback on looting? Uh, that's fine, though, because you kind of need to, like, put more density of big things back in your deck eventually, right? Yeah, I suppose that's fair. So it kind of works productively. <clears throat> I don't know. Actually, the more I think about it, I, I haven't seen Dan Ward's list, but it sounds kind of crappy to me, even though it's obviously eventually broken. His deck looked hella good, actually. Yeah, it, lo okay. it certainly looked better than the crap that I was building. Okay. How did he do? He got second. Do you know what he lost to? Nope. Yeah, I'm just going to register Evolutionary Leaf, Renegade Rallier, and Spell Snare. That sounds dope. I could I could get behind that, actually. Let's just play Bant. I feel I feel like this format is, like, kind of messed up again. It was looking like, oh, it's a bunch of Eldrazi and, like, Scapeshift. And, like, man, maybe Modern's, like, a good format now. And it's like, nope, new set. 
five busted cards. Uh, I like it. I think it's fine. Dude, they keep banning stuff, and then there are just more problems. Uh, who cares? Whatever. Do you actually just, not like it? I just, I want to play Grixis, man, that's all. Oh, dude, you gotta get over that. I mean, unless we're playing Grixis with four main deck styles, <laughs> and Mox Opal. Well, which which screw you deck am I supposed to register for this modern tournament, this gold fishing tournament? Uh, Bant. That's not a screw you deck. Uh, it is, with Evolutionary that's, that's, Leap. Have you ever that, lost with Evolutionary Leap? Grizzly Bear, pass. Dude, come on. That's not fair. H- have you actually gone, uh, like, Noble Hierarch into Fetchland Rally, my Fetchland? Uh, no, I haven't. It's, but uh, I did... It's, it's so busted. I did play Bant Collected Company in a, a Magic Online League. I, I recorded it, too, actually. How did it it's go? It's on the internet. I don't know. I think I went 4-1. and one. It felt really bad. Dude, that's a fine record. It's not bad. It's not bad. A bunch of a bunch of those in Grand Prix all across the country, and we'll be gold again. I really hate Spellqueller, though. Oh, I think you probably need Spellqueller. I like Reflector Mage, Spellqueller, Tracker, and Rallier. How does Spellqueller interact with Evolutionary Leap? That's good, right? I yeah, I think it's good. Okay, I always forget with Spellqueller because it's tricky. I'm I'm so happy that you told me about your interaction with Matt Costa. I really can't even put it into words. Oh, Costa's great. He told me about Evo Leap. I told him about Shadowverse. It was perfect interaction. I I don't think that was a <laughs> equivalent exchange at all. He, he gave you way too much tech. Yeah, and then I just incinerated twenty hours of his life or something. So. Yeah, that's just really messed up, man. That's kind of the joke. All right, are we done? Yeah, let's get off the podcast so we can build band. Ooh, okay, sounds good. All right. That's game! Game over, man! It's game over!